Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, good morning, Portico. Great to have you here. And I believe you meant what you were just singing, that we've seen you move and you move the mountains, and I believe you can do it again. Give a hand to our worship team. What an amazing, amazing job they did this morning. Well, we're going to continue to worship. I'm going to ask our ushers if they would make their way forward. We want to thank you for your faithful giving. Week after week, as you give, we help people to find their way back to God. We do it through multiple campuses of your guests today. We're one church, one message, many expressions. We have our online guests that are with us, and welcome those of you that are online. And as we do this together, our passion is it's a joy for us to contribute because it's God's kingdom that we're building. And we do this in partnership, and your partnership means so much. So thank you for being a part of this. Let's pray together. Father, we do, we want to bless your name and recognize that we couldn't do anything without your spirit in our lives. And so we trust you today, and as we give, it's our prayer and our desire that people would find their way back to you. They would experience what, you, what we just worshiped about, that, God, you do move, you can move, and you will be moving in our lives. And we pray it in Christ's name. Everybody said? Amen. All right, go ahead. We're going to receive that offering. While we're doing that, can you get your Bibles out and get your apps out? We're, uh, we're going to jump right in. I want to get right into our message today. And if you're following, you can do our online. You go to the apps, download our app and follow, take your notes in there. We have printed notes that are in the bulletin. And so we'll make those available and you can take a few notes. Here's what I know. I've got something that I believe everybody's going to benefit from today. So no matter where you are, on your journey of faith, maybe you're pre-understanding who Jesus is and you're investigating, or maybe you've been a long-term follower of Jesus. Today, we're in this letter to the Philippians, the friends of Paul, and he writes to them about a very practical subject. So what I want to do is I want to unpack this, and I want to make sure that you go away today and you've got something that you go, this applies to me and it's going to work in my life. You good to go? Ooh. Yeah, thank you. Okay, three of you. We're all, we're all good to go. Here we go. All right, get your notes, get your Bibles. Let's go. We're going to go to Philippians chapter 4. While we're turning there, uh, let's do a couple of things. How many of you in the room would admit to this by showing me your hand? There are times in your life that you worry. Oh, good. We're all in good company. The Bible says don't worry. Why did you worry? We do. It's part, it's part of our human nature. We worry about things. We worry about our health. We worry about our finances. We worry about the future. We worry about our jobs. There are all sorts of worries, and they're as diverse as the people in the room. Did you know there, there are actually people who worry about having to board an airplane and fly? It's true. Story one gentleman, he was going to fly, and he got very, very nervous. Anybody in the room, you, flying is just not for you? Yeah, a couple of hands, yeah. So you're in good company. This guy was, he was about to fly. He showed up at the airport. His flight had been delayed because of the weather conditions outside, so that just set him off. Now he's a little nervous because he's already anxious about flying. He's worried about it. Flight's delayed. Weather's not good. He's already gone to the darkest place you can go. So he's pacing the airport terminal. 
And he's going back and forth. He looks outside. He's checking the status board. He's watching the weather, worried about his family back home. And as he's pacing through the terminal, he passes one of those little kiosks where they sell life insurance. And he sees it, and he goes, that's not a bad idea because it's low cost, and they pay out $100,000 in the event of an untimely death. And probably nothing's going to happen, but he rationalized that it's so cheap, I'm going to buy it anyhow. So he bought the life insurance, and he felt, at least I've covered my family. I've taken care of my responsibilities, and I'm good to go. He cleared through security gate, made his way out to the departure gate. And while he was going down, like many of us will do, you know the little food vendors that are along the way? And he thought, I'm just going to get something to eat because it'll settle my stomach, I'll feel good, I can fly. So he saw some Chinese food, he went over, ordered his meal, enjoyed his meal, took the fortune cookie, slipped it into his pocket, and he thought, I'm going to eat that later on the plane. He got on the plane, got himself settled into a seat, buckled himself in, pulled out his fortune cookie, and as he opened up that little slip of paper, because we all do that, his read, your recent investment is about to pay big dividends. (laughs) That's not how you want to fly when you're getting started. And we worry, all of us, we do, if we're honest about it, there are times that we struggle with really understanding that we don't have to hold on to worry. I remember we were getting married. Laura and I, we were part of a group of people. We went through the marriage preparation weekend. There was one couple, we were all going around talking about our dreams and our future. There was one couple that was in there, and they were talking about, you know, you're probably dreaming about buying a home and having a family. And this couple like, we're not having kids. And we were, we were kind of shocked. We were, you're not going to have kids? They go, no. Who in their right mind would bring kids into this cruel world? And they went on this whole rant. I think they have six kids now. But anyhow, <laughs> it's the thing. Worry can consume us. And now here's what Paul does with the Philippians. These were people who understood the reality of challenge. They were persecuted. They were living in hostile environment. Paul was chained to the wrist of imperial guard. If you want to talk about reasons to worry, they had them all. And Paul knew something. He knew that worry is toxic to joy. The more you worry, the more you deplete your joy capacity. So if worry consumes us, and we talk about this is living, choosing joy in life's everyday moments, for some of us, choosing joy is difficult because worry has already displaced our ability to experience the joy that God wants to give us. So Paul writes to them and he goes, I know you have reasons to worry, but I'm going to show you how to overcome worry so that you can truly have joy in everyday moments. And for some of us today, you're going to need what we're going to talk about because it's practical and it'll change your life. Get your Bibles, let's go to Philippians 4, and I'm going to read it, verse 1. Here's what Paul says. He said, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and I long for, My joy and my crown stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche, please be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they contend at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Here's a familiar text. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by, in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and whatever is noble and whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, sometimes we read this, and it's, it's a beautiful text. 
And many of us have probably lifted a couple of those verses and we've shared them with friends or we've prayed them over our lives. But maybe we haven't read the letter and followed the flow of the letter. And Paul wasn't writing so that we could just get one or two little pithy verses that we could pull out and use to build our life. He writes this this full, complete, spirit-led letter so that people would understand that when you're going through challenges and you're about to worry in your life, there is an actual way that you can overcome worry and you can actually increase your capacity for joy. And I don't know about you, but I need that in my life all the time. So I want to help you, as I've learned, to do the same thing. So if you get your notes, four things real quick. Number one, if you want to overcome worry, first and most important thing you need to do, live at peace with others. That's right. Turn and look at your neighbor and go, hmm, I have to get along with you. <laughs> Live at peace with others. If you're married, you might not want to turn and look at each other right now. <laughs> More often than not, the primary source of our worry, don't miss this, the primary source of our worry is rooted in relationships. We can lose jobs, we can struggle with our health, there's a lot of things that we can deal with, with financial challenges and mortgages and all that type of stuff, but more often than not, the one area of our life that consumes us the most is the worry that is associated with broken relationships because we're broken people and we're living in a broken world. And we end up becoming consumed with these relationships and trying to figure out, and you go, Doug, where did you see that in Philippians chapter 4? Thank you for asking. I have an answer for you. Look at verse 2 and 3. Keep your Bibles open this morning. Paul says this to his friends in Philippi. He said, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Now, I am a Greek scholar. I am a Hebrew scholar. I am a biblical scholar. No, I'm none of those. But if you ask yourself, what was Paul talking about? To be of the same mind in the Lord. Paul was simply saying one thing. Stop fighting. Stop fighting. Get along. Every parent knows this if you have more than one child. You tell your kids, stop fighting and get along. And Paul writes to them. In fact, look at verse 3, down at the bottom of the verse 3. He said, and I ask you, my true companion, please help these women. This was overcoming for Paul because he realized that the stress that was coming out of the situation and the tension that was there was destroying the joy that these believers could have in Christ. Unity in relationships is more important than being right. Okay, I was going to wait there. That's profound. Men, if you're married, write it down. Unity in relationship is more important than being right. Because if husbands, if you want to be right, you're going to be lonely. You know that. And it's true in all other relationships. That what we do is we often struggle and we allow disunity to seep in because we are adamant that we're not going to buckle, we're not going to give in, we're right, and we're going to fight it to the end. And yet Romans 12, 18, it says this, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone, everyone. Now you can look at your neighbor and go, huh, I have to get along with you. It's okay, you can do that. I'll allow you to do that. But the Bible is very clear that we are supposed to live at peace with everyone. And all of us have a naughty and nice list. We're like Santa Claus. We have people that it's easy to get along with, right? And then we have people that are... They're our prayer list. Let's put it that way. They're, they're our prayer list because we, we do struggle with some people. And yet the Bible says that we're supposed to get along. And you go, well... If I try and they don't respond, what am I supposed to do? The Bible only says, as far as it depends upon you, 
In other words, as spirit-filled, spirit-led believers, it is our responsibility to do everything in our power to make sure that our relationships are whole, they're healthy. I cannot control the other person's response to me, but I can control the choices that I make in all of my relationships. And so Paul says to these ladies, hey, ladies, come on, let's get along. You need to do this. I was mentored by a wonderful pastor. His name was Cal Rotz, served many years with him. And I can distinctly remember, he had this little saying, so I wrote it down so I could share it with you. Sometimes we'd be walking down the hallway, sometimes he'd be driving in a car, and he would just say this. He'd go, you know, to live above with the saints we love, that will be glory. I thought, okay. Then he'd say, to live below with the saints we know, that's another story. And I realized he said that after Sundays, after we had everybody in the church. And I go, isn't that funny? We struggle to get along with each other, and yet we're commanded to. Now, here's some inside information, because some of us don't know this. How many of you are followers of Jesus? Real quick. How many of you have troubled relationships with other followers of Jesus? It's okay to admit it. And we're all going to go to heaven and be there together too. So why don't we figure it out right now? Everybody good? Let's figure this out now so that we don't mess up heaven on the other side. Is that good? Because you can't take all that junk there. So let's get it figured out right now. And we learn that one of the ways, if you're struggling to experience joy in your life, there's a pretty good chance that there is a relationship discord or there's something broken in there. And disunity is a powerful joy buster. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another and forgive as God or as the Lord has forgiven you. That is a great life model. Hold on to that and you will begin to experience joy. So you can overcome worry if you live at peace with others. Number two, how do you overcome worry? Remind yourself... Remind yourself of who's in control. So look at Philippians 4, 4, and 5. Look in your Bibles. Paul says this. I'm going to read it from the contemporary English version. A little bit of a nuance change here. He says, always be glad because of the Lord. And I'll say it again, be glad. And always be gentle with others. The Lord will soon be here. So he starts this off and he goes, rejoice in the Lord And then at the end of this, he brings it right back again, and he goes, and let me remind you that the Lord is near. So he goes, when you get this, that God is in control, it will heighten your capacity to experience joy, because it has huge implications for our lives. We worry about our jobs. We worry about our economy. We worry about our politicians. We worry about the future. We worry about everything, and we say that we believe in God, But sometimes we don't act upon the declarations that we're making. We say God's in control, but then how we live and what we express actually doesn't resonate with the very words that we speak. And so there's this discordant uh, disunity in our language when we talk about faith, but we don't exercise faith. So here's what I want to give you. There's a caution that we should all have, because there are times when our worry is negatively impacting the people around us. And I want you to listen to Andy Stanley. He did a great job in a little two-minute soundbite. Watch this as he shares it. Now, real quick, I want to say something to a couple groups, all right? First, I want to say something to all of you who are 45 years old and older. You don't have to raise your hand, okay? 45 and older. Look up here. Many of you have grown weary and you've lost heart. And the reason is because you have fixed your eyes on a political system 
You have fixed your eyes on a political leader. You have fixed your eyes on the good old days. You fixed your eyes on the economy and you are, you are growing weary and you need to knock it off. And I'll tell you why, because you are scaring the children. You are. Now look up here. Look, look. The generation that's coming along behind us are going to take their cue from us. And here's the cue we're giving them. Oh my goodness, if we don't get the right person in the, in the, you know, elected in office, it's the end of the world. If we don't fix the economy, it's the end of the world. If we don't have religious freedom like my mama and my grandmama had religious freedom, it's the end of the world. Oh my goodness, if we don't get the right laws passed, if we don't have the right policies, it's all coming unraveled. Nothing could be further from the truth. Look up here. Government and government matters. Policies matter, but neither of those matter as much as men and women who understand this word. Faith, confidence that God keeps his promises and that nothing can thwart the plans of God. We know this from the Old Testament. We know this from the New Testament. We know this because the most powerful person in Judea, Pilate, looked at Jesus and said, what is truth? Crucify him. Game over. It's done. Let's move on. And the only reason you know who Pilate is, the only reason you know who Pilate is, is because you know the story of Jesus. Pilate, the governor, becomes a footnote in the story of Jesus. In fact, most of the first century people you know about, you know about because they're part of the story of Jesus. We have nothing to fear. So all of you people over 45, knock it off. You need to model for the next generation that God is in control. God can be trusted. Get involved in the political system. Get involved in culture. Get involved in your society. But you never fix your eyes there. You fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, for those of you who are under 45, especially if you're 20 and 30. All right, let's stop it right there. How many of you are over 45? Stop scaring the children. I love that. I, I love his bold determination. And I thought such a powerful clip to reinforce what we're talking about. Because we say God's in control. We just worship together. We lifted our voices. You have never failed me and you will never fail me. And yet when we get into our private conversations, we start going, oh man, I'm so worried. I lost my job this week. I don't know what I'm going to do. God does. I'm so worried. I went to the doctor and they told me what my health situation is. God already knew it before you got there. God is totally in control of this. You're worried about your marriage relationship. You're worried about your kids. You're worried about their futures. You're worried about universities. We have to take the worry quotient out of our lives and increase the joy quotient because Paul said to the Philippians, he goes, I get it. I'm chained to the wrist of a guard and I might die tomorrow. So this is not empty words, but I'm telling you, God's in control. And if we trust God with the outcome, it doesn't matter what we face. So sure, we're going to go through some challenges, and sure, we're going to have a difficult time. But if we can remind ourselves that God's in control, friends, it'll change the course of your lives. And some of you, you need to do that now. Because you walked in here, and you brought all of that worry into this room with you, and you experienced the presence of God in a way, and you heard the worship, and you go, I love this. But you're going to leave and you're going to carry all of that baggage with you. And I'm inviting you to do something that's powerful today. Let God be in control. Drop the junk. We have custodians. We'll clean it up when you're done, okay? Leave it in the room. Leave it at home. Don't carry it with you anymore. James Cash Penny was a powerful businessman. And James, in his own word, writes about a moment in his life where he made some serious miss moves on his business. In fact, got himself into a real deep situation and he became so consumed with trying to figure out how to resolve the difficulty. He wrestled with it to such a degree that he slipped into a state of depression. 
His depression got him to such a dark place that physically he began to manifest shingles, and his doctor saw him, saw how serious it was, and he hospitalized him immediately. He goes, you need to get in. You need to have a rest. We got to get you back on your feet. And James continued to go downhill further and further and further. He got deeper into his depression. His physical condition wasn't changing. And one night it was so serious that they prescribed him a sedative just so that he could sleep. James said, I woke up in the middle of the night. I was just like bold awake. The sedative was gone. And he said, just this worry and fear gripped my heart. And he goes, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow. This is it. I'm going to die tonight. He reached over, got some paper, got a pen, and he wrote a letter to each member of his family and said goodbye in his own words, thinking that that would be the last time he'd speak to his family, and those would be his words for them. He closed his eyes. He woke up in the morning to the surprise. He was still in that hospital bed. His condition hadn't changed. He was still struggling. But James said, I could hear something. I heard music. And in a hospital, that could be good. That could be bad. But for James, he said, I heard this music. And he said, I slipped out of bed. I went out into the hallway, and I began to follow the sound. I went down a corridor, turned right. And he said, and it was coming from the chapel at the hospital. So he went over and he pushed the door open. There were a group of men and women inside and they were there together and they were singing. And the words of the song that he heard is, God will take care of you. And he said, I sat there mesmerized, heavy with worry, fretting over my situation. I listened to them speak. And as he began to share about God, he said, all of a sudden I realized I was the one trying to control my circumstances and I was the one allowing worry to destroy me. He said, in that moment, he said, I just prayed and I released it all and I said, God, those words, I receive them, that you will take care of me. And he said, and all of a sudden, this whole pressure lifted off of his life and he began to recover. He said, I never experienced the sickness and the depression that I felt. God healed me completely. We know him as the owner of J.C. Penney's retail store. God used that moment to change that man's life. Friends, when God's in control, it frees you up. Joy begins to come back into your world, and you can allow worry to move off the back door because God said he's got your back. Jesus gave us an antidote. And again, we love these words. They're found in Matthew chapter 6, 25, but he called it out. He said, why are you worried about what you're going to eat? And why are you worried about what you're going to wear? And why are you worried about all these things in life? He said, haven't you seen how my Father in heaven is taking care of all of nature, whether it's the birds or whether it's the fields? He said, all of creation is under God's control. So if all of creation's under God's control, do you not think he's got you covered as well? In fact, we see this. It says, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Worry never gives. Worry always takes. And he goes on to say this. So do not worry, because it's the unbelievers who run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them, and he will take care of you. Friends, what a powerful, freeing message for us. God loves me enough that he says, I've got your back, and I've got you covered. Colossians 3, 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, because God is totally in control. So if you want to overcome worry, live at peace with others, remind yourself that God is in control. Number three, write this one down. And this is going to take us onto the finish line here. Trust God with the outcome. So trust God with the outcome. See, it's one thing to say, okay, God's in control, so we can make that declaration, and we go, all right, 
But here's what we do. I don't know if you're like me. As soon as I face a challenging situation or a difficulty that comes into my life, the very first thing that I do is I try to figure out how do I respond? What do I need to do? What have I learned in my past that I can bring to bear into the future? What experiences, what talents do I have? How can I resolve this situation? Anybody relate? Yeah, we do that. But what we often don't do is trust God that he's already in the story and we can trust him with the outcome. So look what Paul tells us here in verse 6. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So he said, do not be anxious about what? Oh, no, too weak. Do not be anxious about? How come you think your issue is more important than the person's next to you? We do that. We share prayer requests and we share our prayer requests, but our issue is greater than theirs. Oh, that's nothing. God can handle that. Now, mine, on the other hand, God needs my help with this one. So what we do is we read verses like this. You know this is God's Word, right? It's His Word. So inspired by the Spirit, Paul says to the church, and he says to us today, do not be anxious about anything. Here's my question. What did you bring in the room today? What did you bring in the room today? Don't be anxious about that. It's real. It's a circumstance, it's an event, it's an episode, it's a health scare, it's a financial challenge. He said, those are real things. He said, but don't let anxiety be the motivating and driving force in your life. He said, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, what are we to do? Pray and, and petition and give thanks to God. Now watch, here's what we do. So we go, oh, no, well, you know, I don't need to bother God with this. It's a little deal. I can handle this on my own. And God goes, why would you do that? Because you're going to actually burn up your joy quotient if you do that. And I'm already there. So if you would trust me, I'll step into your story. And I think there's a a reason in here. I'll have to ask my friends who are the biblical scholars on this one. But he says, pray and petition. Now, I've noticed something about when it comes to prayer requests. So I think Paul knew we need to drive it up a level because we'll get together, we'll be in our growth groups or we'll get together for prayer. And you notice sometimes there are people will ask for prayer and you'll say, well, what can I pray for you? It's, it's personal. How do I pray for personal? Like, what are you going through? That, like, God already knows, so what are you going through? Oh, it's, it, it's personal. And you go, no, take a hold of that situation in your life, tell everybody else, make a declaration on it, and allow God to take control over it because he's got an outcome that's going to be greater than what you can control. So I want to give you some boldness and some courage when it comes to praying. Speak out what it is that you're dealing with. Unite together with brothers and sisters. Jesus said, if two or three of you will come together, I'll be there in your midst, right? So if we got two or three and we're calling out the issues that we're dealing with, and Jesus goes, thank you, now I can take control of that and I can deal with that for you. So there's nothing mysterious about this, but there's power in this. And the beautiful part is pray about it. And he says, and present your petitions. How many have ever signed a petition? A lot of us have. We just did a petition for the school board recently, right? Remember that? At the top of the letter, there's a declaration of what it is that we're asking for. At the bottom, we sign our name. So when you sign a petition, what do you do? You take it to the person who has authority, who has control. You lay it on their desk. Do you take it away when you've finished? No, you leave it there. So when you petition God, you go in there, you lay the petition before God, and you don't slip it in your back pocket and walk out and go, nice talking with you, I'll take this one with me and walk back out of the room. He says, you pray to God, you petition God, and Jesus said, lay your burdens down and just leave them there, and you can take up my rest. 
Because my yoke is easy on your life. Romans 8.28, it says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to His purpose for them. That means if we're trusting God, we're listening to God's voice, we're yielded to God, we can bring anything in our life, lay it down, and we can trust Him with the outcome. Friends, that's liberating. Psalm 55, 22, it says, Cast all your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And Paul closes it out in verse 7, and he said, And then the peace of God. He said, Then the peace of God, which passes all understanding. And there is a peace that is supernatural, it's indescribable. And for many of us, we never experience that because we have not released it to trust God with the outcome. He said, but if you can just remember that I'm in control and you trust me with that outcome, your spirit and heart will get invaded with a peace. You know, January, February, we're going to do a prayer series. We're actually going to tell you some of the stories where peace was the, the power in the middle of some people's storms. Because this is how we're supposed to live. This is what we're called to be. So as followers of Christ, we don't carry worry. We go as joy people filled with joy, and we choose joy in life's everyday moments. All right, how do you overcome worry? Live at peace with others. Remind yourself that God is in control. Trust God with the outcome. And number four, real quick, focus your thoughts. Focus your thoughts. Now, let me read a text. It's Philippians 4, 8, and 9. And Paul says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, don't miss what I said. I said, focus your thoughts. Don't focus on your thoughts. Paul says, get your mind fixed on Christ. Here's the thing about worry. When a circumstance comes in our life, we start to mull that over in our mind and we start to play it over and over and over and it's in the back of our mind and what we do is we start to focus on the challenges. We try to figure out how to resolve it. We try to figure out the impact of it. We try to figure out how we're going to recover from it. What's our future going to look like? And our mind becomes consumed focusing on the thoughts that are creating the worry in the first place. And I love Philippians because Paul says, focus your thoughts. Choose what you're going to think about. Don't choose the things that are dragging you down, but focus your thoughts on Christ, on what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. So when fear comes in, when worry comes in, when anxiety comes in, Paul says, we take those thoughts, and in the name of Jesus, we take a hold of those, and we go, I refuse to be controlled by those thoughts, because I put my mind on Jesus, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is the one that is presiding over my life. Friends, the reason we will struggle is because if we still believe we have control over our life, we're trying to dictate the outcome. Well, when Paul said, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, he already did an exchange. He goes, my life is no longer my own. It belongs to Jesus. And this is liberating. Your life does no longer belong to you if you're a follower of Jesus. It's his. So let him determine the outcome. You keep your mind and your thoughts focused on him, and you will walk in the power and the peace and the joy. And Paul said it this way. He goes, and the peace of God, the peace of God is going to be yours. And some of you this morning, you need that. You need that. 
But I can't exchange that for you, and nobody else can exchange that for you. It's entirely up to you. And Paul said there's a way to do that. You can choose to overcome your worry, and if you will follow the biblical pattern, you no longer have to walk in worry. You can walk with joy no matter what you're facing. So what is it that you came in with today? What do you need to exchange and let God's joy be there? Amen? Amen. Father, right now, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to be men and women, followers of Christ, that understand the truth of your word, the power of your word, and then to walk in the fullness of the Spirit to be led by you. Because of all people on the face of this earth, no matter what we face and what we go through, you've given us a promise and it's ours and we can own it today that we can have the peace of God in the middle of the most violent storms of life and others are going to marvel and go, how can you do that? It's because we're your kids. You're our dad. And you've got this situation in your hand. And so we choose joy today. Doesn't mean we're not uncertain about the outcome. But what I am certain of is you love us. And you gave your best for us. And you have a future that includes us. And so we trust you today. And I pray every person, whether online or in this room, I pray right now, Father, that we would just learn to turn over to you those things in our heart and in our spirit that are creating the worry, the anxiety, and the uncertainty. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.